those who are familiar with um, our understanding of what we are supposed to do when we stand, as Sister White says, at the desk, it is that we have to go to God first, always, always go to God first and recognize that uh, we are only um, feeble channels that and ordinary people that he uses to speak to his children and to speak even and also to me. Many times when I preach, it dawns on me that I had not seen certain things when I spent hours and hours preparing the sermon. But God somehow comes through and he blesses me. And I feel like, wow, how could I have not seen it? And I feel blessed. Today we are participating and celebrating communion. We are participating in communion and celebrating communion and so on. The title of the message today, The Spirit of Humility. And this title is rather a title that will reflect the spirit of every single one of God's sons and daughters as they imitate, as they follow uh, the example of Jesus Christ, our Lord. You should, as a Seventh-day Adventist, praise God at every single moment of uh, your life. Because this church, if I could call it a church, this movement is very unique upon this earth. God called his children from the days of Adam and Eve. Actually, God gave this special message to a perishing world, to Adam himself. Some went away from the message. They walked away. They went astray from the message. And they preached a different message. They brought to God a strange fire. But God's legitimate children who have learned to hear his voice and obey him have carried this message in its purity to our days today, and they will carry it to the very end when Christ comes in the clouds of heaven, and God will have a people to come to, a people to come and take with him. He will have that people. Today, therefore, you can count it as a huge blessing Bigger than anything that you can ever hope for or imagine. When you realize that you belong to this movement. A movement that was caused by the Holy Spirit of God. To prepare a people with the solemn message of the three angels message. That will have a people ready 
who will look at him and say, Here is our Lord. He cometh for us. And this people of God will have that same spirit of Christ, the spirit of humility. John, in chapter 6, verse um, 54, if I may pass it, okay, right there. John says the following, Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. John wrote it, the words that Jesus said he could remember it well, even though he wrote it many, many, many years later. And it is believed that even the book of Revelation was written before the book of John. So John, John wrote it about 50, 55 years later. But that is when inspiration and revelation comes handy. The Holy Spirit reminds John exactly how Jesus said it. And John, of course, he writes in his own words, in human expressions, but the Holy Spirit makes sure that he is not missing any important point. And so here's the message. Whoever covers every single one, every single one on this planet Earth, eats the flesh and drinks the blood of Jesus Christ the Lord, will have, he has eternal life, and will be raised on the last day. You know, this teaching was so uh, prevalent in the days of the apostolic church that even uh, the misunderstanding came in, into the mind of all those who were persecuting the young church that they accused them of truly and really eating blood and flesh of human beings. That was one of uh, the main accusations of the early apostolic church. But you do understand the meaning of it. If you don't, let, let us go through it. Okay? And be reminded. The ordinances of communion and foot washing that point to our Lord's humiliation and suffering are regarded too much as just a form. Did you know that... Uh, it has been determined that the Seventh-day Adventist Church, even the Seventh-day Adventist Church, has its lowest number of attendance on church service when they celebrate communion. Because they go, oh, no, there goes again. That. Some people have even determined and I have heard myself it's boring that's I, that's why I don't like to go when they have communion but let me tell you what you will be reminded here today may help you to never never allow even a little shadow of that way of thinking to come into your mind what did the celebration of uh, communion well, let me ask you this question. What did the celebration of Passover mean? Passover. Because Passover, as I told the children's story today, was the first celebration. The Passover, as we know, uh, was a celebration of uh, the freedom of God's people from the Egyptian slavery. 
Now they are free. And do you know how blessed, how joyful that day was? That they were set free from slavery? That Sister White says that a mixed, what? Multitude went with them. Even some pagan people that did not really believe God just decided, you know what? I'm out of here. I'm not staying in this place. I'm pagan like them, but I, not even myself can endure what they do. I'm going, this, this is a good people. I know them. They're my neighbors. I'm going to go with them. Wherever they go, I'll go with them. And they only cause trouble. And I say this, that uh, it was not to say that they were Egyptians or from other nations. They were also Egyptians and from other nations that lived there in Egypt. This mixed multitude were Israelites, were Egyptians, and people from other nations. As well as there were some Egyptians and people from other nations that were converted, that left Egypt, and that they did not cause trouble. They were among God's people. And you see, when you see later on the names that they had and how it was developed and, and the names that they gave to their children, they were not really Hebrew names. You can see it in there. Well, let's move on here. We have so much to say about it, but there will be a total, totally different sermon. What does it mean uh, to celebrate communion? Or oh, what does the celebration of communion mean instead? The ordinance of the Lord's Supper was given to commemorate the great deliverance wrought out as a result of the death of Christ. From now on, you will celebrate your deliverance from the bondage of sin by celebrating communion. And this is, until he, Jesus Christ, the Lord, our Lord, shall come in the clouds of heaven with great power and glory, we are to celebrate communion. The unleavened, some translation says, cakes, the unleavened bread of the, the Passover, at the Passover, the, the Passover wine, untouched by fermentation, um, nothing Corrupted by fermentation, the symbol of uh, sin and death. Fermentation, the symbol of sin and death. Could represent what Peter says. First Peter 1, 19. Could represent nothing with fermentation. Could represent the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. They had to carefully prepare that cake, that bread, and that juice. You know, my daughter and son, they play for a Sunday church. And I have gone to those Sunday churches with them to, sometimes they invite me to preach there. And I go and preach, and we do special music for them as well. But the things that I hear and that I see happening in those Protestant churches, it's like, uh, 
It's almost unbelievable. Just one little example. The, rest, the last communion that they celebrated, they brought, what was it, Amor? Donut? Donuts and orange juice. Yeah, of course, it is really, there is no power. In the emblems themselves, no, but don't take me wrong, even though there is no power in these emblems of the body and of the blood of Jesus, even though there is no power in those emblems, there is a tremendous power in the celebration of communion that is just a way for us symbolically to have something more palpable that we can see that we can refer to but it is an opportunity that is given to every single son and daughter of God to express their faith that they believe in the death of Jesus Christ for their sin so these emblems are only to take their minds away from their own way of thinking and reasoning to what really happened 2,000 years ago. You know, I have been, and believe it or not, I'm really glad that this church here is a church that believes, as an entire church that believes in the spirit of prophets. Guess what has been one of my problems in the ministry? All my life, believe it or not, it has been that some, some churches that I've pastored before, they accused and blamed me, and some of them even became a little bit of my enemy because I use Ellen White. I use the spirit of prophecy. And they say, and you do not use the Bible alone like you should. You know what? What in the spirit of prophecy that is not the Bible alone? I'm just, you know, uh, of all the preachers in this world, probably I would be the, the, the last one to be blamed of, or accused of those things because, see, I have some kind of uh, impairment. Um, you, know, you know, the way I, sp I speak, those who have not noticed yet, I speak, I speak with an accent. Yeah, I bet you never knew it, huh? Yeah, I believe it. So, Ellen White helps me a lot. So that this message may go through this feeble channel, and if they cannot understand it well because the way I pronounce it, they can read it. For example, let's move on here. Okay. We'll, we'll go through it really quick, and this will be a lesson to each and every one of us, and to myself. Remember, if you cannot really read everything that is there, at least mark the page there. Desire of Ages, page what? 660 and 55. Okay, 650 and on. Go there and read that entire chapter. This is homework for you. Read that entire chapter. See what she says. When believers, talking to you and me, assemble to celebrate the ordinances. There are present messengers unseen by human eyes. Messengers unseen by human eyes. 
angels, angels are here. There may be a Judas in the company. And if so, messengers from the prince of darkness are there. If there is a Judas here, he brought a prince of darkness here. For they attend all who refuse to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. That Judas brought that one here. I'm not saying it. I'm reading it. If I'm reading wrong, you correct me later. Heavenly angels also are present. These unseen visitants are present on every such occasion. If you ever think that, uh, oh, communion, uh, boring, oh, uh, there we go again. Same message, almost, almost the same. Don't come here for the message or for the speaker, for the preacher. Come here to know that holy angels are there. But if you come with a wrong heart, guess what? You are bringing the wrong angels here. So it's up to you. Make things right with God and come. The may come into the company persons who are not in heart servants of truth and holiness. But who may wish to take part in the service? They should not be what? Forbidden. I had, uh, had an, a deacon once that he would always come to me with a little list. Pastor, I don't think this one should participate. I always tell him, listen, I have this message for you. When the sin is an open sin, like for example, we all know that someone committed adultery and he's living with that other person and he is coming to church and so on. First of all, we should not prohibit him to come to church. He's fine. But then when it comes to these things, we should say, brother, please, um, we all know it's a public thing. Don't but we do not really know. But who may wish to take part of the service? They should not be forbidden. There may be someone. There are witnesses present who were present when Jesus washed the feet of the disciples and of Judas. Some of those angels who were witnesses of what Jesus did, they are here also. More than human eyes behold the scene. Christ, by the Holy Spirit, is there to set the seal to his own ordinance. Who is here to set the seal? Through the work of the Holy Spirit. Okay? He, Christ, is there to convict and soften the heart. Christ is here through the work of the Holy Spirit. Not a look, not a thought of contrition escapes his notice. You know, when people go, yeah, communion again. Jesus knows it. Let us always remember that. For the, for the, the repentant, brokenhearted, one he is waiting. For, uh, for the repentant, brokenhearted, one he is waiting. He is waiting for the repentant and brokenhearted. All things are read, read, ready for that soul's reception. He who washed the feet of Judas longs to wash every heart from the stain of sin. And she goes on to say this. None should exclude themselves. Like many times you say, no, I, no I'm not participating in communion because of that elder or that pastor, that deacon, that, that sister is there. Nah, I'm not participating. None should exclude themselves from communion because some who are unworthy may be present. Every disciple is called upon to participate publicly and thus bear witness that 
He accepts Christ as a personal savior. And then, I am coming to an end with these thoughts here. It is at these, these ceremonies, his own appointments, okay, that Christ meets his people and energizes them by his presence. Hearts and hands that are unworthy may even administer. Many times people, I don't like that pastor. He speaks with an accent and he's this, this, and that. He didn't come to visit me when this and this and that and so on. I'm not participating in the communion. He's not worthy. I'm not saying this to protect myself. I could have well, escape this so that I am not being biased or anything, but let me give a message to everyone and to me also, okay? Hearts and, hearts and hands that are unworthy may even administer the ordinance. Like, also the elders will help to administer the ordinance. Yet Christ is there to minister to his children. So we have no excuse. Communion is that special. And God himself invites every single one All who come with their faith fixed upon God will be greatly blessed. All who neglect these seasons of divine privilege will suffer loss. Of them, of them, it may appropriately be said, ye are not all clean. Those who reject communion and do not want to participate because of others, excluding others or themselves, may be referred to as with the same words that Judas was referred to. That's why Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 Verse 26 says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Don't you want to proclaim the Lord's death until he comes? Yes. I want. I want. And do you remember when uh, some people were preaching and, 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 and saying things that they were not followers of Christ and, and, and then some disciples came to Paul and even to Jesus. Also, he had an instance when there were people preaching and saying that they were not followers of Christ and then what they said, their answer were basically the same. Paul's answer and Christ's answer. Well, leave them alone if they're not doing anything wrong. They are preaching the truth. God is using them. Didn't God use Nebuchadnezzar? So let, us, let all the Nebuchadnezzars here <laughs> proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Page 660 of Desire of Ages. As faith contemplates our Lord's great sacrifice. That's the reason we come here to contemplate the Lord's great sacrifice. The soul assimilates the spiritual life of Christ. Wow! It assimilates the spiritual assimilates the spiritual life of Christ. And she goes on to say this: that so we'll receive spiritual strength from every communion. Amen. You know, I believe that we should practice communion not uh, four or five times a year, but more often. Do you know what certain churches have done? They have no communion 
on Sabbath morning at all throughout the year. They have just a regular sermon, but they have communion every single, uh, uh, once a month, but a different day. Like a Sunday or sometime on some other time during the week. Now you all may be thinking, oh no, I'll come to church again. But that's what some churches have done. So that they would celebrate it once a month. The service, the service forms a living connection by which the believer is bound up with Christ and thus bound up with the Father. Do you want to be bound up with the Father? With God himself? He who beholds the Savior's matchless love will be elevated in thought, purified in heart, transformed in character. And here, those who beholds, who behold the Savior's matchless love on the cross will be elevated in thought, purified in heart, transformed in character. He is a preacher who is not afraid of saying things that go against the grain. Even though those things that I say that go against the grain are the old Adventist message that sometimes are ignored. And here it is. You can take it home and say, oh, the pastor said that. Salvation is about character development. Yes, sir. You don't believe me. Just don't let Christ develop your character and you will see at the end that I was right. But then you will be too late. So you have nothing to lose in believing what I said. Only to gain. This is what he says here. And only when we have our character transformed, we will be able to say fully, not only with our lips, as we memorize these Bible ver verses and texts, but we will say with our hearts what Paul said. But God forbid that I should boast accepting the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. I have... You know, I, I know English. There is a way of saying English, but I like sometimes the way I say English. I, I say things such as, uh, there is, yeah, I, I think it is right, but sometimes I say it wrong, but there is nothing, there is nothing, nothing in this world that is worth our investment, our attention, our devotion, but Christ and Him crucified. Amen. That is the, the power that you will need when the fiercest trial comes upon you. And that fiercest trial is yet to come. Amen. You have, like my proper English, my proper English, you haven't seen nothing yet. <laughs> the world 
And the signs of the times are pointing to that soon fulfillment of the last day's events. And only those who have their minds and hearts focused on Christ and Him crucified will be able to stand that test, that final test. So the time of grace and opportunity to get ready, to get ready, to get ready is today. Let us have Christ and Christ alone and Him crucified in our hearts and mind. As we celebrate communion now, as we go to our separate ways, men will go to a particular room. As you go down there, you will be directed to those rooms and women will go to the other rooms. Let us just remember this. As we sing in our separate rooms, don't uh, uh, sing the amount of hymn that is enough for you to finish the celebration, the, 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 the symbolism of foot washing and then Soon after, just come back. Uh, sometimes groups stay there singing and singing and singing for a long time, and others are here waiting, so, so that we may come and participate of the uh, emblem of the body and blood of Christ. Okay? Let us go our separate ways now. And if you have not invited someone, please take the chance and invite that person to, do, to wash his or her feet. All right? Let us do it now. Please, let us do it. chairs we only need half of men uh, because then if maybe uh, maybe four or five chairs it will be just believe me just to scatter to spread the other ones apart especially on the corners yeah especially very good Bruce put it there Serving here in the basin. All right. Yeah. Oh, uh, remind me of sing a hymn before. I I think we do. We sing as we move ahead. Okay. As we move ahead. Then we get a. Ah, okay. okay. Sing that with that one famous one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
Yeah. Mm -hmm. That message is directly to the sinner. Yeah. Okay. I will follow the two six uh, six twenty three. Follow the Savior, so my love be when yes I follow follow I follow the my Savior. Thou didst shed thy blood for me. For thy grace. Can you hold the tower? The tower. Lord, okay. Okay. That's who's who's the one sitting here? Well, okay. All right. Now, Father in heaven, we thank you and we glorify you. Blessing us, Lord. Precious Son, today that you will continue to. Come, time that he may truly live another. Bless, oh Lord. 